Morning! Uh, today on the docket, we have the rest of Daniel chapter 2, so grab your Bible. Uh, hopefully you got a pen ready. We're going to be covering uh, this great image that we've considered in the past, this dream that Nebi's been having. Daniel's going to have the interpretation to it today. So why don't we pray quick. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. God, that they can be found uh, this day. We pray as we open your word once again that you would speak to our hearts. God, we want to hear from you. We want to grow. We want to be challenged, Father, that we could be uh, just growing in your grace, God, and growing and knowing you more. So we're here. We're looking to you. Uh, bless this study. We ask in your name. Amen. So last week, if you guys remember with me, we considered uh, Daniel and uh, he had a problem, which that problem ended up moving him uh, to prayer. And then the prayer was answered, which moved him to praising God. And then we saw him praising God. And once he did that, now he is proceeding. So look at verses 20 to 23 again in chapter 2 here. It really sets up the second half of this whole chapter for you and I. And we see God's uh, sovereignty okay, over the kings of the world and their kingdoms. Now we have poor Nebuchadnezzar here. Uh, he would conquer the whole world, but he couldn't conquer his own heart. So Daniel will show that a pure heart is way better than a powerful heart. So let's take a look uh, at the interpreter here um, of the dream, Daniel. We'll look at verse 24. Therefore, Daniel, he went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said, thus him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king and I will tell the king the interpretation. Then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and said to him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known to you the king, the interpretation. And the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name is Belteshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? And then verse 7 or 27, it says, Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men and the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers, they cannot declare to the king. But, big but here, guys, there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has made known to the king Nebuchadnezzar, what will be in the latter days? Your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what would come to pass after this. And he who reveals secrets has made known to you what will be. But as for me, the secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living. But for our sakes who make known the interpretation to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your heart. So if you guys look there at verse 24, 
um, Daniel here is graciously pleading for his opponents. Um, that's very kind of Daniel, wasn't it? Uh, we need to remember, guys, that God works best in the impossible situations. Prayer is our most uh, stable source of help. To be specific with our praise, as we saw there in verses 20 to 23, Daniel didn't give some generic, praise the Lord, uh, okay, or God is good, but he praised him specifically uh, for specific things. So question, would you rather hear your boss say to you, hey, you're good, or hey, you did a really good job last week on that report that you turned in? Um, I, I think some of us might <laughs> just be thankful for a boss to say either. Uh, but, but we like this, you know, specifics. Uh, we see in verse 25 to 27 here, uh, Daniel's being brought before the king. Um, and then he gives glory to God in verses 28, 29, and 30 there. Uh, he made sure that they didn't think that uh, he had any power, right? But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, so he gave glory to God. It's God who's doing this. So when God uses you, um, do you uh, tell your story, you know, or are you sharing God's story? Um, and how we go about that, do we do it boastfully? Um, I'm guilty of proudly being the hero Um in stories before. Um, I think we probably all have. I want to share with you guys, we all are very familiar with Proverbs 3, uh, 5, and 6, right? But verse 7, a lot of people miss that. And it says right after those awesome scriptures, do not be wise in your own eyes, okay? Uh, if we're really going to lean on the Lord, if we're really going to look uh, to Him, uh, we need to uh, be in a place of humility, Okay, not having our eyes um, on our, our own wisdom. Another proverb in 26, 12, it says, Do not be wise in his own eyes. Um, there is more hope for a fool than for him. Okay, so we're exhorted there. Also, Romans 12, 16 is a good one. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. And do not be wise in your own opinion. So um, it is good uh, to recognize the Lord, uh, to give him uh, the glory, because it really is him at work. And, and we see here that these future events, the latter days is how it is put there. Uh, in verse 30, why Daniel got the dream and the interpretation, we're told there. First, why he didn't, okay, not his own smarts, but it's because God wanted to spare their lives and God would reveal the condition um, of the heart of Nebuchadnezzar. Um, and then the description is now given in verses 31 and on um, of this dream. And Daniel says here to King Nebuchadnezzar, verse 31, you, O king, you are watching and behold a great image this great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you, and its form was awesome. Okay, translation may say terrible. Um, this image, his head, was of fine gold, and its chest and its 
arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, and its partly of iron, or its feet were partly iron and partly clay. You watched while stone was cut out with hands, which struck on its feet of iron and clay and broke them into pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So here, verse 31, it talks about this great image. It was awesome, terrible, scary. Um, and its description is laid out for you and I in verses 32 and 33. Um, without hands, not an earthly kingdom, but heavenly. That's what we get from being made without hands. And then uh, if you see in verse 7, 5, the God, 45, the God of heaven. Um, and we'll discuss more in a moment, uh, verses 44 and 45. But I want to share the interpretation right away. So let's take a look at verse 36. This is the dream. Now we will tell the interpretation of it before the king. You, O king, are a king of kings. For the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory. In whatever the children of men dwell, <clears throat> or wherever they dwell, or the beasts of the field or the birds of heaven, he has given them into your hand and has made you a ruler over them all. You are this head of gold, but after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, then another and a third kingdom of bronze which shall rule over all the earth. The fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all others. Whereas you saw the feet and the toes partly of the potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. Yet... The strength of iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with the ceramic clay. Verse 42, it tells us that the toes of the feet were partially of iron and partially of clay, so the kingdom shall be partially strong and partially fragile. As you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch, verse 45, as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. 
The dream is certain and the interpretation is sure. So these metals really represent uh, future world powers. Okay, and gold speaking about the Babylonian Empire. The silver were the Medo-Persian Empire. The bronze would be the Grecian Empire. And then you have iron, which represents the Roman Empire. And then the iron in the clay. And there is going to be this revived Roman Empire, which describes four kingdoms and ten kings. Uh, this may be ancient history to you and I, but we need to remember Daniel was written writing during the Babylonian kingdom, 500 BC. Okay. Keep that in mind. This is a phenomenal. This is what's going to happen in the hundred of years, um, uh, in the future. So note that these metals, um, if we really think about, um, these empires, okay, they weren't empires yet when Daniel wrote this, uh, but when we consider, uh, the metals, uh, they were increasing uh, in strength, okay, gold, um, all the way to iron, so soft to hard, but diminish in value also. Um, we see the gold <clears throat> head of this great image in verses 37 and 38. Um, this is you, King Nebi, uh, is what Daniel uh, was interpreting there. That's the Babylonian Empire, And I want you guys to note uh, Isaiah 14, 4 with me, uh, because Babylon is actually called gold there. And I think that is so cool that we see that in another prophet, that you will take up the proverb against the king of Babylon and say, how the oppressor has ceased, the golden city ceased. Okay. Um, so why gold? Well, some historians uh, have told us um, that the city really dripped. It was full of gold. Uh, the walls, the buildings were all overlaid with gold. Uh, Herodias, he was a Greek historian, uh, visited Babylon about 90 years later uh, and told us that. And then we have the silver, the chest, uh, the arms um, <clears throat> were all silver in this uh awesome image uh, that Nebi saw. And that spoke to the Medo-Persian empire, this dual empire. They worked together to defeat Babylon. And we know the story, the Euphrates River there <clears throat> ran around causing a moat there around Babylon and through. Um, but the Medes and the Persians, uh, they diverted the Euphrates River there and it all dried up. And because it dried uh, the level dropped and they were able to get in underneath um, and attack uh, them by night. Uh, the Kurds would be modern day Medes. Um, Iranians um, are the Persians of today. Um, and it's neat because if you think about it, they have this long standing relationship um, even to this day. Uh, the kingdoms were made <clears throat> up of uh, King Darius, the Mede but also very powerful princes uh, were told. So, so strong here that the king couldn't change a law, a law without uh, his nobles actually consenting uh, to it, which is why the authority structure was inferior to Babylon, which we saw in the first part of verse 39. A good example of this is if we remember the book of uh, Esther, uh, my daughter Shalom, that's her second favorite book. Um, 
which, by the way, I might have her join us next week because her favorite story in the entire Bible is uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, Daniel chapter 3 uh, in the fiery furnace. She loves that story. Uh, she may have some fun insights for us. But anyways, uh, Esther's her second, and we read in Esther 8.8, 8, You yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews as you please in the king's name. And seal it with the king's signet ring. For whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring, one or no one can revoke. No one can. So we see that in the scriptures. That's Esther 8, 8 there. So the question, why this um, silver? Well, silver became prominent for um, coinage um, in the ancient uh, Persian Empire. Um, verse 39, we're also told of the bronze, the, the belly and the thighs, and that would be the Grecian empire it was led, of course, by Alexander the great, um, all the earth we're told, um, <clears throat> wasn't said of the last kingdom. We know that by the age of 33, um, Alexander had conquered the known uh, world and he sat there by the Euphrates River and cried because there's nothing else left for him to conquer. Um, and this would bring in that Hellenistic uh, period in which the Greek culture and language uh, before Christ was born. Um, and that's really brought in why we have the New Testament all written in Greek because they were uh, in power there. So why two things, um, or th sorry, thighs, why two thighs here? Uh, look at verse 32 here. Alexander left his kingdom to his four generals. That's what we know from history. Only two that became powerful out of the four. Uh, the empire of Syria, uh, Seleucid dynasty, it's known as, uh, much you know, bigger than Syria today. Uh, but we also had the Empire of Egypt, which ran uh, by Ptolemy. Uh, it was controlled there, North Africa area. So bronze we have also. So why the bronze? Well, historians let us know that Greece heavily used bronze. Uh, their soldiers would be all dressed up, outfitted uh, with it for battle. They used it for shields. Uh, in verse 40, the iron, the legs, okay, speaking about the Roman Empire here. Uh, two legs represented, according to history, the east and the west divisions. Um, Constantine made Constantinople, uh, Istanbul, okay, of uh, the east capital, uh, 33 AD. So it was really a split. It was religious in uh, nature, the Greek Orthodox split. Uh, a church split there um, east that would be Turkey uh, from the Roman Catholic um, of of Rome the West uh, though uh, <clears throat> they had made different you know many differences allegiance uh, really to the Roman Pope was one of the big motivators for them uh, and it was it was rooted more in in political things if you really uh, read up on it but the question for us, again, is why iron? Well, strong as iron, but breaks in pieces. Rome didn't take over or just defeat their enemies. They really crushed them. So the strongest of all the empires was going to be Rome. 
And Rome was never destroyed or taken over, but it just simply fell apart. That's what we know of the Roman Empire. Um, really from the inside out, if we think about it, because morally, <laughs> uh, spiritually, uh, just fell apart. Now we read in verses 41 and on here, the mixed iron and the clay, the ten toes, the revived Roman Empire. We're revived because it's really an extension of the old uh, empire. So after this gap of time, which we see in verse 44, the first part of it, in the days of the king. So here it is called uh, today, There we have the European common market, okay? Um, the economic community, the EEC there. Um, they have their headquarters in Geneva, um, Borders are very relaxed. Um, I remember when I was in Bible college in Austria, <laughs> um, driving around, we took a wrong turn, and we find ourselves in Italy, okay? Uh, we were able to cross borders, no problem. Um, everything's together there. Anyways, uh, we've given the description here of four kingdoms. That's what we need to be catching. And not a kingdom, but ten kings. So they will not adhere to each other which we saw in verse 43 so we'll talk again about these guys in daniel 7 and also we've been studying revelation on sunday mornings together and we'll be taking a look at this specifically when we get it in uh, into chapter 17 together so why this iron and clay well it really you know symbolizes for you and i the un stable extension of that roman empire okay we are rapidly approaching the end times okay the end of all time really uh and we see a society that's cracking more and more every day okay we see it on the news daily um <clears throat> as we consider the stone in verse 44 and 45 we saw it back there in 34 and 35 the stone is the messiah who's going to destroy the kingdoms of the world at the end of the tribulation. You see how this is tying into last day things. There will be this revived Roman Empire. Christ will return. We know of Armageddon from the scriptures. Um, and once that takes place, he's going to set up his own kingdom here on earth. Uh, the mountain that fills the earth. Okay, I think that is so cool to think about. Uh, and this vision really covers uh, that time of the Gentiles. Uh, open up in your Bibles here to uh, Luke uh, chapter 21 here. Um, <clears throat> look at verses 23 to 28. It says, But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be a great distress in the land and the wrath upon this people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. In verse 25, there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars. And on the earth, the stress of the nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from the fear of the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the son of man coming in a cloud 
with power and great glory. And when these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. I love it, guys. So this time starts with this Gentile king, Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, the invasion of Judah, you know, to the second coming of the Messiah, that whole time period. Um, so during this time of the Gentiles, power, uh, <clears throat> these Gentile powers dominated Israel. Okay, they were no longer able to uh, rule themselves. They were taken into captivity. Uh, no descendant of David to sit on the throne. So Jesus is referred to as a stone in many places. Uh, flip over to Matthew, uh, Matthew's Gospel, 21, Matthew 21. Look down at verse 42, and we will see that here. It says in Matthew 21, 42, Jesus said to them, Have you never read the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you, Israel, and given to a nation bearing the fruit of it. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls it will grind him to powder. So this is certain and sure, guys. This will happen. God says so. So wrapping this up this morning, the rest of Daniel 2, look at verse 26. Let's go back there. We see a promotion take place for Daniel. Verse 46, the king Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. The king answered Daniel and said, Truly your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings, the revealer of secrets, since you could reveal this secret. And then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts. And he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon, the chief administrator over all the men of Babylon. Also, Daniel petitioned the king that he set or that he would set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. So here we have a very powerful king on his face before this little Jewish lad. Uh, what a picture. Okay, unfortunately, uh, Nebuchadnezzar is going to forget this later. Um, and I think we, <laughs> we have to learn, just like we're going to see uh, God teach Nebi, uh, that God is sovereign, that he is in control. Um, and some of us want to learn the hard way. Uh, that's one thing I love about where Daniel's taking us and where we're going. Uh, we don't have to learn the hard way. Uh, we can read of others um, and their, uh, just their experiences, their shortcomings, their faults, their mistakes, that we wouldn't do the same. So where God lowers him, 
Uh, we're going to see it's going to be to an animal status. Um, anyways, we'll get into that next time. Uh, well, a couple weeks from now. Verse 48 here. Um, this word over, uh, that's why they want him to become uh, lion's lunch. Okay, because Daniel was put over uh, them. Okay, in, in a few chapters here. Um, God has given him a place of um, <clears throat> just oversight, uh, authority, and they don't like that. Uh, look at verse 42. Uh, when you come to the God's throne, uh, then you don't have to fear the king's throne. That's one thing I love uh, with Daniel. You know, he's going before Nebuchadnezzar, I mean, king of kings uh, here on earth. But he had already gone before the throne of God. And we have a great invitation to come boldly before his throne of grace in time of need. And uh, we are, are needy, much like Daniel here. There are things that come up and we need to seek him. So Daniel knew the God of heaven. That's huge. His mercy in verse 18, he knew uh, that God hears prayers and he answered the prayers in verse 19 and on. He revealed secrets to that dream in verse 28. He establishes the rulers that we saw in verse 7. And when one day he's going to set up his own kingdom. Okay, that was prophesied here. I hope you guys see that and you're getting the big picture. That was verse 44. So remember all investments in earthly kingdoms. They're temporary at best. Um, invest your life into something that's going to last, something that is eternal. That would be the kingdom of God. Be about his business today. So as we wrap up, two questions to think on. What empire are you building today? And in which kingdom are you investing? I think those are two uh, very applicable, very honest uh, questions uh, to ask ourselves uh, this morning. So again, thank you so much uh, for tuning in here. And Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word. We're grateful that you're real uh, with us, that you really are on the throne in heaven, and that you are working the affairs of men. Uh, what's going on in the world doesn't take you by surprise. You see it all together. Um, and you make things known, Lord. And we are living in uncertain times. And what a privilege we have to seek your face, to come before your throne. I pray for my brothers and sisters that you would meet with them today, that you'd be speaking to them, that we'd be able to live out the reality of, of eternity, of the gospel, of kingdom business. Lord, help us to put our hands to the things that matter most. We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, guys, Lord bless you. Hopefully we'll see you back next Wednesday morning.